pray together. God, you are good. You are our good, good Father. It's who you are. How deeply comforting those words are to us today because it tells us who not only you are, but who we are. And we desperately need to know that, Lord. In a world that tells us all kinds of things about who we are, that we're only valuable if we can do these certain things or achieve these certain goals or have these certain connections. And God, it's so good to hear the truth that we are beloved, beloved, each one of us, by you. And even better, you are who you are. That gives us a firm foundation to plant our feet on this morning. And God, we want to praise you and thank you and honor you for who you are. Thank you for the courage that that gives us to face this world unafraid. We bring you all our joys this morning because we know they're all gifts from you. And we say, thank you, God. We are so blessed. And we bring you all the burdens that lie heavy on our hearts this morning because we know that they are not too great for you. In this time of silence right now, we name before you those things that are burdens to us that we want to lift off and lay at your feet. We give them to you now in silence. You are good. You are completely holy and good. And so we trust you with each of these things. And we thank you. And now, God, we pray together that prayer that you taught your disciples. Because we also want to be your disciples. We pray together, our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles together. It's always so good to look into God's Word together. Today we're in Luke, Luke chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 26 and read through verse 38. Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. And if you didn't bring a Bible, just pull out a pew Bible in front of you. Luke 1, starting with verse 26. The birth of Jesus foretold. 
In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will rule and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Friends, this is God's word for us today. God, open our ears to your voice as we hear your word today. Amen. On March 10th, 1876, the very first phone call was made. Alexander Graham Bell, with his giant phone contraption, I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of it, didn't look anything like the iPhone 6, was more like um, a washing machine sort of size, made a phone call to Thomas Watson. I tried to find out if the phone actually rang or how Thomas Watson knew it was time to pick up the other end. I couldn't find any research about that. And I tried to find if, uh, if Alexander Graham Bell had gotten a, you know, that message, I'm sorry, the party you are calling is no longer available. No, I'm sure that didn't happen. Anyway, Thomas Watson picks up his end of the phone and gets the very first message transmitted across a phone. Alexander Graham Bell said, Mr. Watson, come here. I want to see you. That was it. That was the first phone call. The very first message transmitted by phone. Pretty short and simple, but it changed everything, didn't it? It changed the world. Have you ever gotten a message that changed everything for you? Sometimes it's good news. You passed. It's a boy. (laughs) Sometimes it's not such good news. There's been an accident. Sometimes a little message can change everything. Do you ever wish God would send you a message? Do you ever wish you could really hear from God, know what God was saying to you, receive nice, clear guidance from God? 
I think that's something we all have a longing for in our hearts, that, that God would speak to us, that we would know what he's trying to say to us. This Advent season, we're looking at the angels among us, the angels in the Christmas story, uh, and the messages from God that they brought. Angel, that word, angelos, actually literally means messenger in Greek. And angels are everywhere in the Christmas story. There's the largest concentration of angels that we see anywhere in the Bible are right here in Matthew and Luke in, in this Christmas story. We see angels rebuking, informing, encouraging, guiding, protecting, advising, worshiping, doing all kinds of things. We see an elderly priest, a bewildered young woman, a heartbroken fiance. We see shepherds out on the hillside. All were met by messages from angels. And each time, the impact was life-changing, profoundly life-changing. Angels in these stories are astounding. We hang angels on our Christmas tree and decorate with them and put cute little angels on our Christmas cards. But these cute little angels really, they remind us of the Christmas angels, but they're really a very small and uh, much less astounding version of what the angels that we read about here in Luke were like. Every time an angel appears, it seems like everyone is terrified. These ones aren't that terrifying, are they? The ones on our Christmas trees. But they do remind us that angels played a big part in the Christmas story. Today's scripture, um, we get to meet again an angel named Gabriel. There are two angels that are named in the Bible. One is Michael, who is a warrior angel, and the other is Gabriel. And Gabriel seems to have been given the job of bringing messages about the birth of the Messiah. 500 years before our story today, Gabriel brought a message to Daniel telling him that the Messiah, the prince, would come in many, many years in the future. This same angel, Gabriel, came to Zechariah, an elderly priest. We heard about this last week. And told him that his wife, who was way too old to have children, was going to have a son. Elizabeth would have a son who would prepare the way for the Lord. Gabriel's been busy bringing these messages, and now he comes to tell Mary that she will bring God's son into the world. Listen again to this, this uh, passage in Luke, starting with verse 26. It starts out this way. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so Elizabeth is the one who's already received, her husband has received this message from Gabriel. She's expecting a child. And now six months later, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Well, this must have been a surprise. 
It doesn't say anything about what Mary was doing that day or what her normal life was like, but we can imagine that this appearance from Gabriel was a big surprise. What do we know about Mary from Luke's gospel? Well, we know she lived in Nazareth, a pretty little town, just kind of a normal little village in Galilee, which is near the Sea of Galilee, which is really a lake. And we know that she was a virgin. She was young, probably in her teenage years. That would have been the normal time for a a young woman at that time to be engaged, to be married. We know that she had a relative or maybe a cousin. We usually say cousin, although Luke just says relative, um, named Elizabeth. And when the story opens, Mary is pledged or engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. They had formally agreed to marry, but the wedding hadn't taken place yet. Between the pledge or the engagement and the wedding day, there was usually about six months or a year. And that arrangement was more formal than our engagements. It couldn't be broken except by divorce. But the couple didn't live together or consummate their marriage during that time. So probably Mary was living with her parents when Gabriel showed up, and Joseph was living with his parents, and they were planning their wedding and their life together. So this is the backdrop of this story. Mary's waiting for her wedding feast. She's planning to move ahead with her dreams and her plans for her future, and it's right at this point that God breaks in. It's right at this point that God turns everything upside down with this message. Ray Pritchard says it this way. He is about to ask an unknown teenage girl to take part in something that is so shocking as to be totally unbelievable. What God asked Mary to do will change her life forever. Did you ever sense God asking you to do something that would change your life forever? You know, God is still speaking today. God is still sending us messages. Mary had an angel to help make that incredible news believable, make the incredible credible. God is still speaking to us today. What would help us believe what he's saying? Because most of us don't get angels to deliver the message And what kind of messages is God delivering to us today, by the way? Well, maybe he would say to us what he said to Mary. Greetings, you who are highly favored. That word highly favored means grace, full of grace. It means God has given you his grace, his unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it but he loves you and favors you anyway. A few years ago, many of us read a book called The Shack. And uh, in that book, God is always commenting about people, oh, I'm especially fond of him. Or, oh, I'm especially fond of her. And we're supposed to get the idea that God says that about each one of us. Don't you love that idea? That when you come to God's mind, God says, oh, I'm especially fond of you. Mm, Yeah, she's one of my favorites. Says that about all of us. Maybe that's what God 
to say to you today? Or maybe what Gabriel said to Mary is the message you need when he said, fear not, do not be afraid. Because we all have things that make us afraid. Maybe he would say something more challenging, like, uh, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Or love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. God is still speaking to us today. And Mary gets some incredible news here. She finds out that she is going to give birth to the Son of God, the Messiah, the one that everyone has been waiting for. Well, that's just impossible, isn't it? That's just impossible. And she, she wonders how this can happen because it doesn't seem possible. But that's the miracle of Christmas, isn't it? What seems impossible is possible for God. Gabriel says to Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Maybe that message is easier to believe when it's delivered by an angel, right? Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing? The Christmas story is full of impossible things that happen. And what a good word that is for us today because we sure face a lot of impossible situations, don't we? Things that seem impossible that they could work out. The violence in our world just seems to grow day by day, doesn't it? More than one mass shooting a day in our country this year, in which four or more people were killed. More than one a day? That seems impossible to believe and impossible to figure out what to do about. Some of us have relationships that seem so knotted up and tangled. Who could untangle those knots? It seems impossible. Marriages or relationships with children or parents. Some of, some of us have impossible financial situations. There's a lot that seems impossible in this world. All of these things need more than our own talents and our own skills and our own human means to to figure them out. I mean, if we could have done it ourselves, we would have figured it out already, right? But Christmas is about miracles, about impossible things that God makes possible. So so Gabriel comes to Mary and he tells her that uh, this impossible thing is going to happen to her, but it's okay because with God... All things are possible. And Mary's response is this. May everything you say about me come true. May everything you say about me come true. Wow. Mary had a lot of reasons why she could have argued back. She was too young. She was too poor too female, too whatever, to be a part of God's miracle, she probably could have written a list of 25 good reasons why she was not the one to do this. But she said, 
May everything you've said about me happen. You know, when God calls us to do something, or God sends us a message, it's so easy for us to write that list of things that disqualifies us, isn't it? That's what Moses did when God called him. He said, yeah, but God, I, I'm not good at speaking, or I'm, I'm not good at, I, I have a lot of baggage back in e- Egypt, and, and it's easy for us to say what disqualifies us, but Mary's an amazing example to us. She heard God's message, and she was willing to go where God said. Some of you have read some books by Erwin McManus. He's a, a great Christian writer. He writes about, in one of his books, about his son, Aaron, who was five or six when he started asking Erwin, his dad, what does God's voice sound like? He wanted to hear from God. And, and McManus says he didn't really know how to answer. But he says a few years later, Aaron went off to his first junior high camp, Christian camp, in the summer. And in the middle of the week, Erwin and some other folks from church went up to see how the kids were doing. And when he got there, he discovered that his son, Aaron, had gotten in a fight and was uh, uh, unrepentant and was being sent home from camp. So just as he got there to check on how all the kids were, perfect timing. He has to take his own son home from camp. So he pulled his stuff together, his son did, and and shoved it in the car. And and, uh, Erwin asked Aaron if they could just talk one more time before they got in the car to leave. And so they went and sat on two large rocks in the middle of the woods And Erwin says this, I asked Aaron, is there any voice inside telling you what you should do? Yes, he nodded. What's that voice telling you? That I should stay and work it out. Can you identify that voice? Yes, Aaron said immediately, it's God. Erwin says, it was the moment I'd waited for. Aaron, I said, do you realize what has just happened? You heard God's voice. He spoke to you from within your soul. Forget everything else that's happened. God spoke to you, and you were able to recognize him. And he goes on, I will never forget Aaron's dug-in response. Well, I'm still not doing what God said. I explained to him that that was his choice, but that this is what would happen if he rejected the voice of God coming from deep within and chose to disobey his guidance. His heart would become hardened and his ears would become dull. And if he continued on this path, there would be a day when he would never again hear the voice of God. There would come a day when he would deny that God even speaks or had ever spoken to him. But if he treasures God's voice, however it comes to him, through the scriptures, through his conscience, and responds to him in obedience, then his heart would be softened, and his ears would always be able to hear the whisper of God into his soul. He and Aaron sat and thought and talked about that. And he says, he's grateful to say Aaron chose to stay. And he learned to listen to messages from God. 
Mary is an amazing example of that for us. She heard this message from God, and what did she say? Yes. She said yes. Alexander Graham Bell thought that uh, when someone answered the phone, they should say, ahoy. (laughs) That never really caught on. (laughs) Ahoy. (laughs) It was Thomas Edison who suggested, hello, when you answer the phone. When God calls, what do we say? What's the right answer? What's the right thing to say when we hear God calling us? Mary shows us it's a plain old yes. Just a simple yes. Sometimes we don't even know. Actually, I think most of the time we don't even know what God is really asking us. He tends to get us to say yes first at the beginning of the conversation before we get all the details But he said, yes. When God called Zechariah and gave him a message through Gabriel, he said, that doesn't sound very likely. How will I know if this is true? Mary said, well, let it happen. Yes. Let everything you've said happen. Now, I used to look at Mary and say, well, okay, If an angel ever comes to me or God ever comes to me and asks me to, like, be the parent of the living God, I'll say yes. But how does that relate to my life now? Because most of us aren't going to get that kind of message from God, are we? But I think this text here is asking us, well, what is God saying to you? What is God asking you to say yes about Because sometimes those things in our everyday lives, I think, are every bit as hard as the big things, the miraculous things. Maybe what God is asking you today to do is simply to open your heart to him, to let him in for the first time, to say, yes, I want to belong to you. Or maybe you've been driving along with... Jesus in the passenger seat, and he's saying, I'd like to move to the driver's seat now. Will you turn over the wheel? Yes? Maybe he's saying, fear not. Fear not. That can be a choice that we say yes or no to, to live gripped by fear or not. Maybe he's saying, love your enemies. Forgive that person that it seems impossible to forgive. Yes? What is God saying to you today? And what will your answer be? Our title today of our message is Angels We Have Heard on Earth. Because we are still receiving messages from God here on this earth today. And are we going to listen? And are we going to say yes? Those are our two questions. Are we going to listen, and are we going to say yes? Last week, Pastor Bill challenged us every day during this Advent season to do one thing. Stop and listen. 
stop and listen. I'm going to offer that challenge again today to take five minutes each day to just stop, to turn off the phone and the, the, uh, the TV and the distractions as much as possible, and to just listen, to be silent and listen to God. Stop and listen. When uh, the telegraph was a new invention, Morse code was just beginning to be learned, and it was young men who were chosen to be telegraph operators at telegraph stations all over the country. And uh, there's a story of a place that was looking to hire a bunch of new Morse code telegraph operators. There was a big, busy waiting room with lots of noise and the sound of a telegraph in the background and a sign there that said, come in, fill out an application and take a seat and you'll be called in in the order you came to come and interview. Well, a young man came in and there were a bunch of people sitting there already waiting with their applications. He came in and filled out an application and sat down. And then after a minute, he got up and went right into the office. And the other people in the waiting room were kind of uh, upset and concerned and thought, man, this this guy didn't wait his turn. He's going to get in there ahead of us. And in a few minutes, the owner came out with the young man and said to the other applicants, you can all go. Thank you. The position has been filled. And they said, well, We didn't even get a chance. Why didn't you let us come in and interview? And the man said, I'm sorry, but the whole time you were sitting here waiting, the telegraph has been ticking the following message in Morse code. If you understand this message, come right in. The job is yours. We don't want to miss the message God is sending us. We don't want to forget to stop and hear his voice. Will you listen this Advent? Our prayer today is that beautiful last verse of O Little Town of Bethlehem. It goes like this. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, their great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. God, that really is our prayer today, that you would come to us, that you would abide with us, live with us and in us. Open our ears to hear your voice today and each day. And Lord, please give us the courage to do what Mary did and and simply say yes, to believe the impossible, to put our trust in you, and to say yes when we hear you calling. As we gather around this table this morning, Lord, we are so grateful for the impossible thing you did for us, that you gave yourself to live our life and to die our death, to rise again, and to make a way for us 
to be with you eternally. We come to you this morning at this table, not because we deserve it, but because we're hungry and we need to be fed. We know we're not worthy even to gather up the crumbs from under your table, but God, just say the word and we will be healed. Please pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on this bread and on this juice that we might meet you in person here at this table. Make us one with you. Make us one with each other so that we might be the body of Christ in this world that needs so much to see you and to know that you are real. May this meal make us strong so that we can follow you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength until one day we get to sit down and feast with all your people at your heavenly banquet. We can't wait, Lord. We can't wait. So we give you honor and glory and praise. In the name of Jesus, amen.